You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Let's stand together uh, this evening, please, and we'll uh, look at this text of Scripture. And in our church, last, uh, I guess since Father's Day, we have been journeying together through the book of Acts in, in a church plant. Uh, I think the best example that we have is to go back to uh, the church of Jerusalem and see how God was blessing it, how God was using it. And we've just been going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and God is using His Word uh, to make a difference in people's lives. And so tonight we are looking at Acts 8, and this has been on my heart the last several weeks, and so I want to share it with you this evening at the North Valley Baptist Church. Acts 8 and verse 1, the Bible says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church and men and women committing them to prison. Therefore they were scattered abroad, went everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them, and the people with one accord gave heed. And of those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, for unclean spirits crying out with loud voices, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame, they were healed. Verse 8, let's read it together. Ready, begin. And there was great joy in that city. So tonight we want to look at this text of Scripture for a few moments and pray will be a blessing to your life this evening. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you that, Lord, that we can stand upon the authority of Scripture this evening to preach it. And I would ask tonight, that God, that you speak to our hearts. Lord, I'm humbled by the opportunity that is given to me to be here this evening. Truly an honor, Lord. And I thank you for the North Valley Baptist Church and the people that are here this evening. And those that are members but for whatever reason could not be here this evening. Lord, I, I do pray that you would bless their lives individually. And I pray for a, a spiritual blessing to be upon this church to reach this city and this area that so desperately needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I'd ask tonight as I preach that you would help me to say those things that need to be said. Lord, I pray that this portion of Scripture would come alive to us this evening and that, God, that the truths that are contained here in these words would be able to penetrate our hearts and that we would leave tonight better Christians, more equipped to serve you with the greater love and admiration and love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. In Acts chapter 7 tonight, if we were to take the time to see what the preceding chapter was about, it was Stephen's defense before the Jewish Sanhedrin, the highest court in the nation of Israel at that time. And Stephen is giving his defense of the gospel, and he was a man that was greatly used in the first church there at Jerusalem, and he boldly preached Jesus to the religious leaders of that day, and 
As a result of that, the accusation came against Stephen that he was a blasphemer and the fact that he was denying God and the law of Moses. So in Acts chapter 7, as he gives those, I guess, oh, 30 or 40 different verses of Scripture, and he gives his message to that Sanhedrin, he defends not only his faith, but he turns the tables on those religious leaders of the day, and he refutes the idea that he is the blasphemer and boldly proclaims to them that because of their rejection of the promised Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, that they, in fact, were the ones that were the blasphemers against God. Stephen's message had led to an outrage in the religious leaders of that day and unable to cease and to quench what Stephen was speaking and to deny it, they understood that the best logical explanation to do was next to stone this man by the name of Stephen. Stephen became the very first martyr of the Christian faith and his defense of the gospel and his confession of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that he was crucified, he was buried and risen, and now he was the exalted Son of God, Savior. So tonight in the text, this evening in Acts chapter number 8, this is the preceding event or the following events that take place in Jerusalem after the death of the first martyr, Stephen. And as we look at the early first century church, it was a remarkable church. It was an amazing church, and one that we can pattern all, all churches, I believe, after because of the fact they were relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish what only He could. It wasn't their methods, it wasn't their gimmicks, it wasn't what they were trying to do in the power of the flesh. What made the church of Jerusalem such an effective church was that they were committed to the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they were fueled by the Spirit of God. My prayer for our church has been at Hillview Baptist Church, more than personality and, and, and more than just me and, and more than just a, a, an, an environment and an atmosphere that is appealing to the eye and has all the things and the gimmicks and things of that nature. My heart's desire has been for our church back home that we would be a church fueled by the Spirit of God. Because then and only then can the impossible take place. Stephen now is, is dead, he's off the scene, and we're seeing the church, how it is growing. It's growing by leaps and bounds. On one particular day, on the day of Pentecost, over 3,000 people responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they were saved, they were baptized, and they were added to the church. And all throughout the early, the first seven chapters of the book of Acts, they are a church that was growing and by leaps and bounds, and they were a going church committed to the preaching of the gospel. And they were a glowing church, a church that had a remarkable sense of unity amongst them because Christ was the center of everything that they did. But however, in Acts chapter 8, the story begins to shift to great blessing and adversity that they have overcome to really great persecution. Really, the first great test that the church at Jerusalem is now going to encounter takes place here in Acts chapter number 8. These people and the apostles they had been persecuted for their faith. Many of them had been imprisoned on several occasions. They had been beaten on more than one occasion. They had been cast out of the synagogue where they were preaching. And now that persecution of the apostles and the leaders of the church had now trickled down to those that were the followers of Christ, the regular attendees, everybody that professed to be a child of God, a Christian. So tonight we want to look at several events that take place here in Acts chapter number 8 as God is going to use 
the advancement of his gospel to all people and all nations and of all tongues. Notice, first of all, in this text, we see, first of all, the persecution of the church. We see, first of all, the persecution of the church. Look at Acts 8 and verse 1. Notice again what the Bible says, and, and Saul was consenting that would later become the Apostle Paul that we know. He was consenting unto his death, and at that time, the Bible says there was a great persecution against the church. Verse 3, the Bible goes on to say, and here's Saul, he made havoc of the church entering into every house, committing men and women, so gender did not uh, determine whether or not they were in prison or not in prison. So they're casting them into prison, and the church is under great persecution. Persecution is that idea or the uh, word that simply means the process to harass somebody, or as the uh, apostle Luke would later write, he would say it was a great persecution. This was an uncomfortable time in Jerusalem. This was not the, uh, the wonderful works tank, taking place as we have seen in the earlier chapters in Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. The church is under attack and being persecuted by those that were opposers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that it was a great persecution. It was a hard time. It was a difficult time. I would think that from many of these people, they had surrendered their life to Christ. They had been saved, and now they were preaching the gospel and living for the Lord. And in the midst of their service to the King of Kings, something in their life happened that they were not anticipating. They never saw persecution coming before. That was not in the script of their life of how they thought it was going to go. You know, sometimes in our life, after we decide to follow Christ, after we've been saved, it's then that sometimes the greatest storm or the greatest trial takes place in our life. And the temptation can be, could be to say that it wasn't this bad when I was living for the world or it wasn't this bad before I knew Christ. This church is being persecuted there being harassed by those that are not followers of Christ. And the Bible says that they're having havoc in the church or they're injuring men and women. They're casting them into prison. And what we're seeing here tonight, I would think, would ring true to these early disciples, these early followers of Christ, what Jesus Christ himself said in John chapter 15 and verse number 20, when Jesus said, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, then they will persecute you. If they have kept my saying, then they will keep yours also. The church of Jesus Christ has always and will always have those that oppose and fight against it. It's always going to have that. Persecution is not something new to 2018. Opponents of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not something new that we're facing in America. Angry people that don't like the message of the gospel is not something new. It was going all the way back to the very first century when followers of Christ were being persecuted for their faith. You know, our religious, our, our persecution today in 2018 probably looks significantly different than what it looked like here in Acts chapter number 8. Our, our persecution is that maybe the coffee at the Sunday school class wasn't as hot as we'd like it to be. Or the donuts weren't fresh enough from Stan's Donuts. Or they were only Krispy Kreme. But there are people all around our world tonight that are being persecuted in countries far and wide in their conversion to Christianity. 
And in some cases, it means that they will have their family abandon them. They will be shunned by friends. They will lose their limb. Or in some cases, they might even lose their life. And so while we might live in comfort in America, I think it's good for us to be reminded that there are brothers and sisters in our world tonight that are staying faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for their testimony of Jesus, they're being persecuted. We're told, according to the Open Doors Foundation, which is a religious organization that documents religious persecution among Christians, it says that every month in the world, 255 Christians, they are killed. 104, they are abducted and kidnapped. 180 Christians are assaulted or forced into a marriage. 66 churches every month, they are attacked in some way, shape, or form. And every month, 160 Christians, they are detained without trial and imprisoned. And we just saw recently the coming home of an American pastor who had been in, I believe it was a, Turkey, a Turkish prison, for two years for what he believed. So persecution is real. Persecution is something that I believe at some point will be here on our doorstep before too long. But with that being said, I'm reminded of the thought that God gives to us in his word that what was meant to stop the gospel, what they thought would be something that would silence the gospel, only caused the gospel to go forward. What, what, What they thought would quiet these Christians, it only fueled them up, it only lit a fire in their heart, it only emboldened their witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tonight I look at our lives and sometimes it could be that we think that persecution or hard times or difficult times happen for the negative, but in fact God is actually using it for the furtherance of the gospel so that all people can hear the truth, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I'm reminded tonight that the gospel of Christ, it will not be silenced. That it will not be stopped. Jesus Christ himself said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 18 that upon this rock I will build my church and the encouragement that we have as followers of Jesus this evening is that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So tonight I will say this. What does that mean for us? That should make us bold in our faith. That should make us bold in our witness knowing that there is no evil force, that there is no man, no woman, nothing that can stop us in the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we have no reason to be ashamed of the gospel tonight. We have no reason to hide behind timidly in the fact of the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, but with boldness and with confidence standing upon the word of God that we can rightly divide and preach the gospel to all people of all nations and of all tongues. The gospel must be preached. And boldly standing upon it, we go forward. I find secondly tonight, not only the persecution of the church, but I would, I would say number two, the progress of the church. The progress of the church. I mentioned earlier tonight in the introduction that the church at Jerusalem saw tremendous progress locally at Jerusalem. Some Bible scholars estimate that their church there was upwards of 20,000 people assembling and worshiping and and preaching the gospel. I would love to have been alive at at least have an overview of what was like in Jerusalem at that time period of seeing people and coming to know Jesus Christ and 
believers following the Lord and believers' baptism, the spirit of unity that was in the book of Acts that we see this evening. The progress of the church. It was going forward. Look at your Bibles tonight in Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 and notice with me what takes place, how the church progresses, not just from Jerusalem, but it goes abroad. The Bible says in Acts 8 and verse 4, therefore they that were scattered abroad, or they were scattered abroad, they went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and the Bible says that he preached Christ unto them. The persecution that happened here in Acts 8 and verse 4, God used it to fulfill what he had told the apostles to do in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. Go back, if you would, please, in Acts 1 and verse number 8. Notice the commission that Jesus Christ gave to the disciples just prior to his ascension. This is a verse that many of you probably have committed to memory, but I want you to to notice what, 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 what Jesus had commanded the disciples to do. In verse 8, the Bible says that ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And notice what he says. Jesus says, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem. And that's where it started. And in all Judea and in, and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So what does that mean for me this evening? What is that, what is that, what is that talking about? Well, Acts 8, where we started tonight, it marks a new day dawning for the church. Up to this point, it was Jerusalem that had dominated, dominated the scene. The focal point was at Jerusalem, but from here on out now, in Acts chapter 8, it's going to move from Jerusalem now to Samaria and eventually to the uttermost parts of the earth. But God was using something in an unlikely form and fashion, which was persecution, to propel his people forward. And it came in an unlikely form. It was the form of persecution. In many ways, I would think that the followers of Christ, the Christians at Jerusalem, were experiencing something that they had never seen before. Something that was so unique, the receiving of the gospel and becoming a Christian and a follower of Christ and and learning and growing together and, and seeing great things take place and transpire in the church of Jerusalem. This was their homeland. I mean, who would not want to have their homeland reached with the gospel? The, these people were seeing Jerusalem and hundreds and, and thousands of people from their native land coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I, I would think that would have had to been a, a cause for celebration. I think that would have been cause for the Christians to be uh, ha have great jubilee. When I mean, somebody were to call me and say, "Man, you won't believe what's going on in the city of Santa Clara," man, the church is exploding. Amen. Man, we 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 burned the building down. We built a new one. Got the fire insurance money that we burned the building down with, and <laughs> built a brand new building just six blocks away. And you're not going to believe it. It seats twenty five thousand people. And the church is exploding and people being saved. You know what I would do? I'd say, praise God, hallelujah. Man, in Santa Clara, my home, where I was born and raised, and all my memories that I have is being reached with the gospel. Amen. Friends and families that I know are being converted to Christianity who perhaps were gripped by some false religion, coming to know Christ. Boy, what excitement that would have been. 
But Jerusalem was never the only place that the gospel was to be preached. He said in Acts 1, in verse 8, it was going to be Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. But God was using persecution in the lives of the people to move them out of their comfort zone to the place that he said, I've commissioned you to. I believe tonight with all of my heart that one of the greatest enemies of the Christian life is that of comfort. And you might disagree with me, and that's perfectly fine. You can be wrong. You can, you're probably right. There's probably a lot of areas, but I think one of the greatest enemies, especially of American Christianity, is that of comfort. We're comfortable. We're okay with it too many times. And what God was doing was he was creating a stirring in the Christians here in Acts chapter 8 and making them to be uncomfortable. Why? To propel them forward for the gospel. To see the gospel go forward. Jesus said in Matthew 28 and verse number 18 that all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And Jesus said that we're to go therefore and teach all nations and to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. I wrote this in my notes tonight. The, the church of Jesus Christ was not called to stay. It was called to go. Amen. It's always been called to go. We have, we hold in our hands and carry in our hearts the life-changing truth of the gospel. Amen. And if we truly believe it, we'll, we'll leave the comfort and we'll go and in, where we live in our jobs into our cities and carry the gospel so that people might hear it. The church wasn't called to stay, it was called to go. And the things that were happening here in the lives of these persecuted Christians, it was for the furtherance of the gospel. I want to show you Philippians chapter 1 this evening. If you'll turn there with me, Philippians chapter 1. And notice with me in verse number 12, the Apostle Paul is writing, and I want to show you quickly what happened in the life of this Apostle for the furtherance of the gospel. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, and beginning in verse number 12, Paul writes to the church at Philippi. He says, But I would, in verse 12, that ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me happened unto the fallen out, rather than to the furtherance of the gospel. The furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in the palace and all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds. So the persecution didn't hurt Paul, it helped Paul, it strengthened Paul. The gospel went forward, and look what it did. It made the followers of Christ, in verse 14, it gave them boldness and courage. Much more bold to speak without fear. Some indeed, verse 15, preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. I love Paul's response. He says, What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. And God was using in Paul's life and in the persecuted church of Jerusalem unfortunate circumstances for the furtherance of the gospel. You know, tonight in your life, I have no idea what you're going through. Absolutely zero idea. Maybe you've, you've come into some 
storms and trials that you weren't expecting. And you don't understand why. And maybe in your life it's been storm after storm after storm and you just can't figure out what's going on in your life. I wonder tonight, could it be that God is using those events in your life so that the gospel can go to people that otherwise, through that storm, you never would have met? I was thinking of a, of a, of a family member on the other side of my, my wife's side who had a, a, a doctor's visit and had given the, the evaluation of what had taken place and what was going on in their life. Through that conversation, that individual was able to give the gospel to a doctor that they never would have met. The conversation, they trusted Christ as their Savior. Was the, was the storm pleasant? No. Was the person trusting Christ pleasant? Absolutely. So in Acts 8, the church is persecuted, but it goes forward. Truth continues to march on. The gospel would not be silenced. But I want to show you thirdly what they were preaching. Notice with me, they were preaching the gospel. The preaching of the gospel. Look at Acts chapter number 8 and verse number 4. In our text tonight, this evening, he says this. As Luke is writing, he says, he gives a description of what is taking place. Verse 4, therefore they were scattered abroad, and they went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down and he, to Samaria, and the Bible says, and he preached Christ unto them. He went to a, the city of Samaria, one that, had, one that the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. John chapter 4 talks about that encounter that Jesus had with the woman at the well. The Bible says that she said to Jesus, we know that the, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. But it was God using the preaching of the gospel to convert a city that was given over to sorcery, given over to the occult here in Acts chapter 8 that you'll see later on if you keep reading by a man by the name of Simon. And it was because of the preaching of the gospel that lives were changed and people were impacted and that a city came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. The preaching of the gospel makes a difference. The preaching of the gospel is what our nation needs. The preaching of the gospel is what our world needs. What our world needs is more men and more ladies that will walk out these doors in a few moments that will boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ unashamedly preaching the word, preaching Christ and Christ crucified to a lost and dying world. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 22 that we preach Christ crucified. My prayer for my life is this week and the weeks to come that I would preach Christ and preach him crucified, buried, risen, and he's coming again. But we need, we need not just one more pastor, we need hundreds of pastors from the Golden State Baptist College and the North Valley Baptist Schools that will have a burning desire to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. You say, I'm nothing. You're probably right. But neither was Philip. Just a layman in the church who was anointed by God and filled with the Spirit and full of faith who said, I'm not comfortable to stay in Jerusalem, but I'm going to go down to Samaria into a, a city that's given over to idolatry and to witchcraft, and there I'm going to preach the gospel. And through a layman, Amen. through a man that wasn't on a, on a paid staff position, a city came to know Jesus Christ. So I'd say tonight, God can use you men, God can use you lady, God can use you young man, old man, young lady, old lady. 
Whatever lot you have in life this evening, you may not have no formal education, you may never go to a Bible college, you may never have a, a degree, but I say tonight the power of the gospel does not need somebody with a degree. You don't need a pulpit to be a preacher of the gospel. You just need a burden in your heart to take the preaching of the word of God to a world that so, need, that so desperately needs it. But notice lastly this, the product in the convert's life. Notice what happened in the, in the life of these that became Christians here in Acts chapter 8. Let's look at verse number 7. We'll start here. For unclean spirits, they cried out with a loud voice, and they came out of many that were possessed. I love that word, were. Past tense, were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies that were lame, were healed. And the Bible says in verse number 8 that there was great joy, active, alive, present joy in that city. What was that? It was the gospel. The gospel changed lives. It changed people. The gospel not only changed lives, but it changed an entire city. Samaria, well, you can go home and read later on this text tonight. I preached from it this morning, verse number 9 through 24, how an entire city came to know Christ there in Samaria. But it was the gospel, it was the preaching of it. And through that, lives were changed. And the Bible says the result of that, there was great joy in that city. You know, tonight I think about our nation, I think about our cities. People are searching for joy, aren't they? Everywhere. They're searching for happiness, they're looking for peace. They're looking for something that can fill a void in their heart that only Jesus Christ can. It doesn't matter if they're the most successful CEO at whatever tech company that's out here. It doesn't matter if they're in the lowest of the lows in some ghetto area down here in the south, whatever it might be. I say tonight that they're searching for something. What they're searching for is Jesus. Because they understand that there's no relationship in life that can fill the void, but only Jesus can. There's not enough liquid in a bottle that can ease the pain and the suffering of a sin-sick heart tonight, but only Jesus can. There's not enough pills in a bottle that can give peace and lasting joy, but Jesus can. I say tonight there's not a job or promotion or a larger 401k or a better circumstance or a better car or some type of friendship or approval of man that can satisfy the longing heart, but only Jesus can. And so tonight as an army, may we be released to go out and preach Jesus to people that need him because they need joy, they need peace, they need the love of somebody to give to them the gospel. Wales was a country given over in 1903 to total debauchery. It's a wicked nation, mostly that of young people. Drunkenness was a state of living for most people. Bars and taverns on every, every corner as though it seemed. Immorality was rampant, and rebellion was the theme of the day. But in 1903 to 1904, something took place in the country of Wales called the Welsh Revival. And they say that upwards of over 100,000 people came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. What happened? The preaching of the Word and the preaching of Christ, it was the gospel. The gospel changed the nation, the gospel changed the city, and the gospel changed the life. And I say tonight, this evening, that the gospel that worked in 2000, the gospel that worked in 1903 in Wales, the gospel that worked in the first century church of Jerusalem and Samaria is the same gospel that will work in 2018. 
It's the same gospel that works in Santa Clara. It's the same gospel that works in Surprise. It's the same gospel that works in Washington, D.C., in China, and Africa, and the uttermost parts of the earth. But we must preach it. We must proclaim it boldly and effectively, letting people know that there's a Savior that loves them this evening. So now you say this evening, I'm not here without Christ. My message to you is this, receive Christ. Believe the gospel. Believe the fact that Christ, he came, he loves you, and he died on the cross to offer you the free gift of salvation so that you would miss the penalty of judgment and the wrath of God for all eternity in a place called hell. And I say to us as followers of Christ, perhaps the events that are taking place in our life that are unpleasant and unfortunate might be God using it for the furtherance of the gospel. And may we be passionate this week, continuing as a church to preach Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world that so desperately needs him. Father, tonight I pray in these closing moments that the truth of the gospel would continue to march on. You promised us that it would. Lord, I would pray that in the hearts of young people all across this room tonight that you would stir in their hearts a passion to communicate and to preach the gospel. Lord, I would pray for people that maybe are in that situation like these Christians at Jerusalem where they were in a state of comfort that I believe that you would stir them for something bigger and greater the advancement of the gospel to all people of all nations and of all tongues. Lord, I would pray tonight that you would release this church as a mighty army to go out into these cities and the highways and the byways and they would have the boldness and the power of the Spirit of God working in them and through them to boldly preach Jesus Christ to those that we come in contact with tonight. Lord, use this church. Blessed is my prayer. And I pray that, God, the greatest days of this church would be ahead of us as we seek to reach this area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.